Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. So um, there's a bit in the news now, uh, having just spoken about that pendulum dynamic between me and we, and of course the extreme of, of one leads to uh, the other, and uh, as we reach the end of this me-oriented era, uh, it's creating uh, an incredible amount of loneliness, and this is a factor of the social systems and the way that we designed them during the me-oriented era, and also the kind of technology that we designed, and, and ironically, um, any of these systems, you know, they when they first emerge as a new way of being human, they solve the problems, the most immediate problems that we're facing. But then over time, they eventually create new problems as a result of the pendulum swinging too far in one direction. And so the social systems and the technology that we've created during the scientific industrial era has created a world of separation of individuality and, and hence is leading to loneliness, which is one of the transition factors. Mm. And it's in the news. It's in the news. It's everywhere in the news, actually, at the moment. There's quite a lot of uh, articles about from the ABC about this, and particularly the Australia Talks study, which has been done recently, uh, which articulates a lot of... And we, we filled this out. Oh, I did. Did you? I think you finished it. I didn't it. fill it out. I did fill it out. Um, and you might have come across that. And, and, and as I said to you off-air before, I mean, uh, as an ABC... Uh, survey, clearly it's probably weighted towards ABC listeners because that's who's going to listen and that's who's going to do it. So it's probably not indicative totally of Australia's situation, but it does articulate a, a lot of uh, this social iso- isolation we're talking about here and loneliness and mental health issues, generally speaking, in the Australian population. That's right. And for people who might be listening internationally and aren't familiar with our ABC here, it's actually a government-funded news agency which enjoys an interesting amount of uh, independence and has historically, although that's coming under more and more pressure these mm. days, uh, and so it has tended to be rather edgy uh, in, and, and particularly sort of leaning towards that communal perspective, uh, which has caused it to be criticised over time as being you know, left-wing and those sorts of things uh, politically. But uh, it's what, it, what we are seeing is that I think it's attracting uh, a, a progressive audience at the moment, and so this survey is probably a good sample of that progressive element in yes. Australian society. Well, of the 54,000 Australians surveyed by the ABC, or who answered this survey, 44% of 18 to 24-year-olds rated their mental health as average or poor. That's a pretty extraordinary statistic, isn't it? It is. Mm. It is, and again, it's, uh, it's a result of... Uh, growing up in a world that's very, very complex and, it, and the complexity is calling for a, a more capable operating system. So uh, the natural adaptation of human consciousness is, um, is causing these young people to, to move quite quickly through the value systems, quicker than, mm. than you and I would have you know, when we were growing up, Nick. Uh, simply because you, we naturally, you know, it's, it's kind of like water finds its own level. So we're, wherever the, the complexity level is in society, we'll naturally adapt to, to meet that. And so 
when we were uh, younger than we are now and, and growing up, you know, society was less complex and we didn't need to move through the value systems as quickly or through as many value systems. But kids these days are, um, so they're they're moving quite quickly. And mm. I mean that that there is a, a really interesting discussion. You know, there's quite a rabbit hole that you could go down there because what it meant is what it means is that um, for older generations now we spent more time uh, growing through these earlier value systems. You know, so so more time in our wild teenage kind of behaviour, oh, more okay. time more time in the sort of stable. Uh, layer four where we've you know found a, a cause and we speak for yourself being, <laughs> and we're, we're being more disciplined you know to pursue our aims in life and those sorts of things but mm. but kids these days are moving more quickly through these uh, mm. that's uh, a really interesting way of looking at it, it is, yeah, mm. yeah 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 so what you're saying there too is as they grow up assuming that uh, that young people find a way through the mental health issues they will have a lot more capacity available to them as they grow older because they've already dealt with some of these issues and that capacity will uh, enable them to to find a way to integrate all that we're talking about here into the into the new paradigm as it as it emerges. Yeah, and it's it's hard for older generations to look at this because because they see the kids kind of missing out on some of the you know mm. discipline's a good thing like because mm. we we had to spend more time growing through that fourth value system because it was still stronger and more prevalent in society than it is now. And when older generations look at the young kids, they they see that they're not needing to be disciplined. And they see that as you know something missing uh, from from their education and their their uh, growth and adaptation. But it's simply because they're having to move through to more capable value sets, which operate in different ways. I guess social media has an impact here because it's very hard to see a sort of disciplinarian um, structure within social media. It's yeah. exactly the opposite, really. Well, it's, yeah, it's, that's, it, that's the idea it, of it. It, it hasn't it is, turned out to be yeah. exactly that, but uh, yeah. as we move forward, you know, it's it's a platform for the expression of these. Mm more evolved values however it's a platform that's been designed by the previous value system so it's inherently disconnecting because it gives you the impression that you're connecting with other people but you're actually not you know you're communicating with them remotely but there's an absolute absence of connection and, and that absence of connection is of course uh, key to uh, the feeling of loneliness and the mental health issues surrounding that and i think this is something that uh, mainstream society and particularly our health systems hasn't quite recognized yet is that our technology is actually causing these mental health issues because of its disconnective nature uh, and uh, interestingly when i was in zurich uh, last year giving a talk um, there was a presentation there by a swiss organization called the reconnect foundation and uh, they've, i'll, I'll uh, tweet their website after the show reconnect-foundation.org and uh, they have clearly recognised this absence of connection as being the root cause of mental illness. And one of their sort of slogans is reconnecting to self, others and nature, particularly to address uh, depression. Yeah. Just uh, on uh, what we're talking about here, social isolation and loneliness, is there is a report from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, which is an Australian government uh, institution. This is only from September this year. It's very current. Yeah. And it talks about social media here. The relationship between social media and loneliness is complex and depends on the individual and their life circumstances. That's important, you know, simple but important. Uses, users of social media experiencing loneliness have reported increased use of social media to communicate with family and friends while at the same time reporting fewer online friends and being less likely to consider these as real friends than users who are not experiencing loneliness. Others have argued that online socialising can increase levels of loneliness as these relationships are generally fragile and shallow. The number of online friends appears less important than the quality and strength of the relationships. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's very good, and uh, and I, you know, hopefully our people who are working in in the mental health uh, across society are starting to to wake up to this factor and and you know include it in their considerations. Yeah. Um, uh, the, it's from that same article um, that we were just, you were just quoting, um, it points out that uh, loneliness is a killer. And I'm going to quote from the article here, an influential meta-analysis which collated and analysed the results of nearly 150 studies underlines the impact on health of loneliness or more specifically lack of social integration and social support. It found loneliness increases the risk of death more than such things as poor diet, obesity, alcohol consumption and lack of exercise Mm. and that it is as harmful as heavy smoking. It's, it's fascinating too, we're talking about it right now, but I think this is actually arising in the general consciousness, in the zeitgeist, this notion of loneliness and a disconnection. I mean, that's probably even a better word to use in terms of the way we're talking, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That sort of, and that sense and that feeling that we're looking for connection. Social media has arisen to try and fulfill that, but hasn't, uh, has certainly left, uh, left a lot of people almost worse off than uh, than better off but so there's all those forces going on it has and it, i mean it's just another aspect of the evolutionary tension and uh, you know we talk about this elastic band idea of like pulling an elastic band uh, back on a slingshot to give ourselves momentum in the opposite direction and so the this uh, individuality that's causing us to feel lonely is part of that tension which is going to drive us to move back towards creating recreating community again mm. yeah just uh, by the way, folks, if any of the things we're talking about today uh, disturb you in some way, you, uh, you should know the numbers to call. And I'll just give you the lifeline number, 13, 11, 14. There are many other numbers like Kids Helpline, Men's Line Australia, Suicide Callback Service, Beyond Blue and Headspace. All of those numbers are quite easy to find. But Lifeline is a good uh, first port of call, 13, 11, 14. We know these things can be triggering to talk about at times. That's right. And if you'd like to give Nick a call, his number is... Oh, no, I better not give that out. You're far better recalling those other people anyway. They know what they're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. I'll see you afterwards. I will see you afterwards. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, we, we do have one quick uh, other text in here, which is kind of interesting, too, about we're talking about um, councils of elders. From my own divorce, hell, and others I know of, it's clear a community council of wise elders is needed. Such a shame we don't have one already. So much needless suffering because of this lack. Perhaps Future Sense can help Byron create one and lead the way. Aha. Uh-huh. So here's my phone number. No. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to do that, actually. We and would love I, to do that. We're, that seriously. We're, we're waiting for a call. We're for waiting for a call. That's and, right. uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned to this very channel for information about these very things in the future, not too distant, hopefully. Or well, we may just start a grassroots movement. We might, indeed. Maybe we already have. <laughs> You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. We have got a couple of calls coming, and thanks for that. And Mahani, who is uh, one of our Italian show presenters at Times, she said, look, it's okay to go to a service like Lifeline, of course, but uh, what they do in Italy is reach out and talk to a friend before they do that as a preventative measure. That's what they do in Italy. And that's a good point because obviously a lot of what we're talking about is certainly all aspects of it culturally situated. And Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
you know, there are there are regions on the planet that tend to have a, a what seems to be a natural bias at this time in history anyway towards you know either communal or individual value systems mm-hmm. and certainly uh, you know in the Italian uh, community there is a very very strong communal yeah uh, dynamic, family, family, dynamic family. there and mm-hmm. so you know th- this is another way how at this time in history we can look to what's actually happening around us in different communities and yeah. different places and get answers to the problems. You know, yes. that we, that we I mean, there's a two-sided thing. Even this, I'm thinking now, because you, in a strong family society or culture, that's a very great resource. But also there's probably often a tendency then to isolate from other members of uh, society in other countries, other uh, minorities and other expressions of culture. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a two-sided thing it, there. It is, and it's interesting just to reflect on that official message that you read out which i guess is is part of the station's kind of uh, standard procedure at the moment and how individually oriented it is you know it's really come out of the scientific industrial mind where if you've got a problem you go and see a specialist right it's it, the solution is not community the solution is an individual thing yeah, and yeah. and our healthcare and medicine in general and it really right across society if you look at every profession in the scientific industrial era it's been about narrowing the focus and specializing and and deepening the knowledge within a narrow area and that is a very individuating dynamic uh, and uh, and so you know the if you've got a problem here then you go and see one of these specialists who knows everything there is to know about that narrow little area although i would contest that slightly in terms of things like lifeline because most of those people are volunteers or they all are volunteers and they are trained in basic sort of structure of how to talk to people but really what people are seeking is connection when they call up they're seeking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. community right there yeah and and that's what they're offered someone i'm I'm not criticizing those services i'm sure and i know that they provide an excellent service but i'm just looking at the design the overall design of the social uh, solution here, you know, rather than actually connecting with the people around you, it's go go and talk to a specialist. Yeah, which is which is an old school mm. angle, really. Now, in this Australia Talks uh, project that we've uh, mentioned by the ABC, this survey that you may have done, 54,000 people around Australia did it, and they do talk about the the groups that they found who do feel lonely. The most striking finding from the Australia Talks national survey is simply how pervasive loneliness is in Australia today. Indeed, only half, 54% of participants reported rarely or never feeling lonely, so 46% said often or sometimes. The survey also finds loneliness is a particular challenge for certain sections of the community, and four of those stand out. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first one's an obvious one, young people we've already addressed today, and we've already looked at today. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know it's not just our social media technology which is driving us either. It's older technologies like radio, for example, and television. You know which have you sitting in a room listening to an electrical device yeah. uh, for entertainment rather than interacting with other people. Interesting statistic on radio I read recently is that most people now listen to radio by themselves usually in the car. Yeah. Uh, you may have other people in the car too, but often it's by yourself. Whereas in the olden days, the old days of the wireless, people would sit around the wireless and it would be a, an event to, to tune into the seven o'clock news or the eight o'clock you know, um, radio play or whatever it might be. So it was a communal activity, even though you were sort of focused on the on the media. Yeah, I, I do remember earlier this year uh, coming across a, a news article from back in the days when wireless was just coming out, you know, and somebody had written an article about it's, how it's gonna ruin the kids, <laughs> this technology. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pressing. It's made me, made me laugh. Yeah. So young people, uh, obviously the first uh, batch of people who are identified in this survey has been particularly subject to feelings of loneliness among people aged 18 to 24. Only a third rarely or never feel lonely. More than a quarter said that they felt lonely frequently or always as a quarter. And this contrasts sharply with the situation for older people, as I already mentioned earlier in the show today. So, and that image of a lonely person is typically someone of advanced years suggests that we do need to update our data our data and that's notwithstanding of course the royal commission into into aged care which is another bloody thing too yeah just to mention that there yeah, yeah. um and so uh, you were talking about the the different uh, groups who yep. reported feeling lonely young people inner city dwellers inner city dwellers uh, which is interesting mm. um and maybe i mean gosh you know that the whole structure of our society and the way that we structured cities and those sorts of things it's all come from this individually oriented mindset uh one nation voters is an interesting one yeah. and for those of you who are listening to the podcast somewhere else in the world mm. uh one nation is a political party here in australia which typically expresses very, very simplistic values, mostly uh, individually oriented values, which I would uh, associate with layer three, which is that red teenage-like rebellious, mm. I'll do whatever I want to do and I'll say what I want to say uh, kind of uh, messages. But based in a sort of conservative, if you will, right-wing politics and yet a bit different to that too. It's not uh, yeah, just, it's, just it's, political. You know, it's regressive in, yeah. and it's very much about going back to the way things used to be. Uh, but uh, but typically you get that, I'll say what I want to say. And, uh, you know, I, I drove past a billboard, I think I even mentioned it on here, oh, yeah. You know, with uh, Pauline Hanson, the leader of the party, you know, and a big slogan, her face and a slogan that said, you know, I say what you'd like to say, but aren't, aren't you know, <laughs> too scared to say it, that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm not surprised that loneliness is reported by those folks because it is a generally an individually oriented yeah. perspective of, uh, of, you know, wanting to satisfy yourself. And and probably that statement on that billboard for her and for those people who follow her is actually very accurate. Yeah. In fact. Well, it is, of course. Yeah. Of course it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it resonates. Yeah. And then the fourth category that they uh, mentioned in this article was people on low incomes. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, I guess, that, you know, is, is related to the fact that it costs money to do things in uh, modern society. And again, this is the way that we've structured our social systems. And if you don't have the money, then it's hard to get out uh, and socialise, perhaps. It hmm. uh, does look to some solutions, which we're going to look at a few of those uh, in, the, in the last half hour or so. Yeah. And just to, to finish the article regarding that, though, for, for us, for the, uh, the survey um, people, a large part of the answer lies in efforts to rebuild group-based social connections, which is exactly what, Steve, we've been talking about here in terms of the, uh, the emerging green or sixth layer. Um, those social connections that are eroded by the tyrannies of modern life, which is... Uh, the, the previous and dominant paradigm right now, the, the orange layer. And this is a world where all types of community, families, neighbourhoods, churches, political parties, trade unions and even stable work groups are constantly under threat. So let's get talking, as they say in this article. And that's interesting, those types, those older types of communities are breaking down. Yeah, and you know, it speaks to the general need for us to, to rebuild community, local community, and uh, rebuild it in a, a way that makes it very resilient to, um, you know, to all of the changes that are going to be coming over the next decade or two. And uh, you know, it's not just about loneliness and, and the, the physical interaction of community, but it's about also sharing local resources. It's about being resourceful and, and locally resilient so that when these systems that have been designed and constructed by the old paradigm 
uh, progress further into failure and they're already failing to some extent, mm. then we can fall back on our local community and local resources mm. uh, in, in uh, hard times. And uh, mm. there's a lot of evidence mounting now that we are going to face many, many different challenges, uh, including things like potentially food shortages, you know, energy supply disruptions, those sorts of things over the next 10 to 15 years. I think there's been a, a, a report just the last couple of days about um, the corn harvest in the US this year. I have to pull that up. Something. Yeah, that, that's right. We've, and we've been talking about that on previous yes, shows from the extreme weather uh, over last winter in North America, uh, which was uh, extreme cold and extreme wet which uh, shortened the, the cropping season there and uh, also delayed planting in the, the present summer, which is just finishing now, which ended up being a short summer. So there's been a shorter growing season. And now already, even though it's officially not quite uh, summertime yet, uh, they're getting uh, record snowfalls and disruptions to agriculture in North America once again. And, and uh, similar things have been happening in Europe and Russia uh, to a different extent. And so this uh, is likely to continue looking at the, the long-term patterns and as we get one difficult cropping season after another, then it's going to mount into eventually uh, quite significant uh, food shortages. Uh, we expect, and, and it's not just us, there are there are um, scientists who are studying this who are saying the same thing. Yes, this, the corn situation, the most delayed US corn harvest on record is resulting in chaos for traditional commodity trade routes. That's interesting there, right, even just that bit. Yep. Corn usually is harvested in the Midwest before it is sent south to be exported. Um, and, but because farmers in the east hurt by a springtime deluge are holding back on supplies in hope of, of higher prices, the commodities price has been pushed higher than the futures market in the east, while it remains lower than the futures market in the west. If you understand economics, there you go. It's a phenomenon known as basis arbitrage. So uh, all of these systems are, are under stress or breaking or compromised here and there sometimes they'll work and sometimes they fall apart clearly. that's right and we're going through a whole of system change at the moment so it's not just human consciousness that's shifting the change in human consciousness is simply an adaptive aspect of a much much larger change which in in fact involves our whole solar system if you really want to step back and look at it uh, from that perspective mm. and uh, it's the the stresses the evolutionary tension is showing up in different ways around the world uh, particularly as we've just mentioned in north america it's been cold winters and uh uh, a lot of water from the, the snow melt at the end of winter and, and excess rainfall. But here in Australia, we're, we're experiencing the opposite with drought, and that looks like it will actually get worse here. So um, it's not uniform you know, around the world. It's showing up in different ways. Yeah. Yes, and uh, that, uh, that uncertainty across the board everywhere is, I think, really important. We can't, we can't easily, we probably can't at all make a carte blanche generalisation about directions that we should go in on the planet this way or that to deal with some of these problems because they're going to express themselves in different ways at different times in different places. And that speaks to the need to rebuild local communities and create local resistance yeah. based on your local conditions. Indeed. Yeah. You're tuned to Future Sense here with uh, Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till 11 o'clock. It's 10.32 and uh, our podcasts can be found from most podcast platforms like iTunes and others, but also through our website, futuresense.it. It's just a one-page website at the moment. It's going to be a bit more extensive fairly soon, but that's a portal to, to everything. And uh, those edited podcasts come in two parts of about half an hour each of the content, uh, missing our sponsorship announcements and, unfortunately, the music, which is generally quite good, I think, the music we play here too. 
For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense. Here on Bay FM. You are still tuned to Future Sense with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. And we're talking about mental health, loneliness, and so forth here on the planet. And That's right, and, and uh, loneliness being a transition factor very much related to this value shift that's going on from an old individually-oriented paradigm into a new communally-oriented paradigm. And one of the really important uh, aspects of that is captured in the research of Claire W. Graves. And I just want to read something from his research at the moment, and it's about the the central driver that is associated with this new value system that's emerging so the new humanistic relativistic network centric value system mm. that's emerging in an evolutionary dynamic to replace the old scientific industrial military corporate way of being human and um Claire Graves writes, uh, <clears throat> the need to belong, to affiliate oneself rather than go it alone becomes central during this transition. This affiliative need, which is our third form of belonging need, now organises our existence. As it does, the adjustment of the organism to the environment process becomes dominant again and gives rise to a new theme for existence. And that theme is sacrifice some now so others can have too. Uh, and, and so there Graves is talking about the fact that we're moving from personal success being our central driver for everything in life, which has been the case with the old paradigm, to now uh, affiliation, in other words, deep human connection becoming our central driver. And because that need is becoming stronger, then you can see why loneliness is becoming such an important issue, issue even to the point of being life-threatening for people, because it is is our, the central need that's developing in this new value system. Mm. I also thought along those lines earlier today that because this has happened, because this richness, this deepening, this complexity of our emotional response to life on Earth now, it's actually giving us, uh, uh, enabling the skills we need to navigate that very territory somehow, you know, because we actually have to now, and we were able to potentially most of us or many of us able to actually do that but there will be those who find it very difficult of course um, a couple of texts have come in thanks uh, let's see uh, there's actually quite a lot of texts here uh, thanks for this one quickly hi guys the beach is the best place to relieve loneliness it's where the energies of the sky the sea and the land meet beautiful place absolutely agree with that um, someone else has written in talking about uh, us uh, creating a bit of a Sunday a month to start uh, um, sort of helping to heal the problems between men and women in particular much cheaper than lawyers that's an idea and uh, we are actually moving towards uh, um, something like that as we go forward we are yeah um, and maybe it's a good time just to, to talk briefly about this so we don't talk about this much on the show but uh, Nick is is working uh, with me in an organization that we've created called the RD mesh foundation and the uh, the active part of that is the agency for advanced development of integrating integrative intelligence so so this is a non-profit organization that we've created it's a registered uh, charity here in australia the rd mesh foundation and basically this organization has been created to support the global paradigm shift as best we can and and there are three aspects to it now it's it's quite uh, i guess it's been uh, coming for a long time but it's it's uh, really only started to uh 
take shape and flower in the in the last year or so or so and it's of yeah. course being built built off the work that i've done uh, through in change management over the years but the three different aspects of uh, the, the rd mesh foundation and its agency rd uh, are firstly human consciousness and uh, technologies to accelerate human development so technologies that help us move more quickly through these value systems to take us more quickly to a place of greater coping capacity uh, on a large scale and the second aspect is uh, an education and communication aspect called Future Sense, which you're listening mm -hmm. to right now. Yes. And uh, we have plans to expand that into a documentary series, uh, working closely with our other team member, who is the, the remarkable filmmaker Mitch Schultz, uh, currently in Texas, but soon to be back here in Australia. Uh, and uh, Mitch is coming back here in January, and we're going to um, start putting together this documentary series which really is going to be about the stuff that we talk about uh, on the, the radio show and podcast, but also going to places around the world where people are doing things according to the new paradigm yeah. uh, in leading-edge ways, looking at leading-edge uh, ways of being human, leading-edge technology, those sorts of things. And then the third aspect of uh, our activity through RD is uh, plans for a digital ecosystem. So basically a web-based platform, which will be uh, a a place where people can go regardless of where they are around the world to connect with other people who are actively building the new paradigm mm. and w our plan is to use the the latest uh, trust-based decentralized uh, technology um, similar to what's being used for blockchain so encrypted decentralized technology to create this uh, digital ecosystem and uh, and, of, and of course we, we need some funding to do that so that's part of our other plan is to is to pull this together some funding to help us build that digital ecosystem within the next year or two we hope so big things uh, on the drawing board there and uh, and of course things happening already and uh, we're, we're not just talking about this we do have yeah. uh, plans afoot we do have plans afoot a um, couple of the texts and melodies written in talked about uh, many people are stating that our environmental problems are largely caused by overpopulation uh, should we introduce a one or two child policy what do you think it's a bit off topic but uh, I would say no probably not but uh, maybe it's going to have to be necessary for a time I don't know look it's um, a tricky one that uh, one. one of the things about fears related to the future is that when people become fearful about the future they those fears are built on what's happening now and if you think if, if we went back to 1930 or 1880 or something and had a conversation about how we're going to feed 7 billion people on the planet people would have said you can't do it yeah. they would have looked around at the farming technology and the supply technology back then and they would have said it's impossible you can't do it we have to stop the population from getting to 7 billion people at all costs and of course we're having the same conversations now yeah. and what we don't realise is that there are new technologies coming, there are new technologies already yeah. here that massively multiply our capacity to produce food yeah. that massively reduce our ecological footprint on the planet the technology is already here, we don't have to worry about overpopulation yeah. anytime soon and of course the great futurist Buckminster Fuller proved at one point quite a long time ago, I think in the 70s if not earlier that uh, we, we could feed the planet um, anyway then with the, the of technology of that time. Yeah, of course, because he was yeah. a man way ahead of his time. He was. Yeah. Uh, quickly, another text. I know we're running out of time here. Um, this is kind of important. Hi, guys. Love the show and more particularly the paradigms of human evolution. Runs alongside Timothy Leary's Eight Circuits of the Brain. We'll come back to that more. We, we, actually, we won't come back to that bit. But this part, I work at Lifeline as crisis support on the phones. Uh, the training models primarily focus uh, on connection through listening and other tools such as paraphrasing reframing, summarizing. I have found the model of a great tool for the support worker and the caller. As you guys said, connection is the key, and that comes from feeling heard. 
Yeah, that's great. Good. Thank you so much very for setting good. that in. It's really important to understand that these are really, really good services, and and we, we don't want to uh, sound like we're discouraging people from using them. You know, if you if you need help, give them a call. Yeah, please. Uh, riding a motorcycle is also good for the soul, says Nikki Ramon. Hi, Nikki. Thank I, you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and that's exactly it. I mean, what it, what you love, what your passion is, what what turns you on, is what's going to help to heal any sort of mental health issues that you may have, and to to understand what those things are and if you haven't got one to maybe to discover something that you can you can you can find your skills with and find your passion with and do that do that more exactly we really are reorienting ourselves as a species on Mm -hmm. uh, the quality of the human experience there's no doubt about that where we're focusing back in on okay you know we've done all these things but are we happy (laughs) exactly you're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. And a couple of last texts here. Casper uh, has written in. Anyway, it's about distribution, really, isn't it? The 1% are creaming us all. We need 11 billion souls to sort it. We need a community effort. That's true. That's going to get a bit crowded here, but we can deal with it. We can handle it. Yeah. Now, you, before we finish up today, you've just been down this week. Was it this week? Last week? Last Tuesday? Yes. Down to Canberra to yes. uh, visit, on invitation, the Governor-General. I did. We did I, mention I, it on air. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just wanted to give a report. Thanks for that. Who was your finished the show today. So, commanding officer in the uh, when you were in the Army? That's right. So, His Excellency General, the Honourable David Hurley, uh, I visited, uh, Governor-General of Australia. And you just called him Dave, didn't you? Uh, well, no, I didn't, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, did you have to bow your head? I, 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 your I, Excellency. I, I, called him, I called him Your Excellency, according with protocol. It was all yes. very formal, you see. Uh, and uh, what a spectacular setting at uh, Yarralumla Government House where yeah. I, I was invited to see him. And uh, the reason that I have a connection with him is that he used to be my boss. Uh, back in the early 90s, uh, he and I were part of an Australian military force sent to Somalia when there was a massive famine on there and a huge international humanitarian response. Yes. Uh, which involved, I think, uh, military from 37-odd countries. Uh, it, was, it was a huge um, delegation from a whole bunch of different countries, uh, 30-something thousand troops. Um, actually, I think it was, less, it was less countries, something like 20-something, but anyway, uh, around about 37,000 troops altogether. And um, we, he and I shared the experience of uh, visiting, working in for, for uh, around about four or five months. We were there. A society that was experiencing total collapse. Um, so that's an, a very interesting shared experience to have to see a society that had one point, uh, you know, developed universities, car factories, Coca-Cola bottling plants, but now basically had descended into being the Wild West with no functional government, no utilities, no power supply, no sanitation, uh, and uh, and no law and order. And so. That's a very interesting, uh, you know, shared experience. And um, when I recently toured Australia screening the From Shock to Awe documentary series, which is about treating two US uh, military war veterans suffering from PTSD and depression with psychedelic medicines, uh, through a a mutual colleague, um, the Governor-General heard 
that I was doing that and he sent a message back through our mutual colleague inviting me to go visit him and chat about it which is wonderful and I have been buttering him up over the years so I've seen him at military reunions now and again and every time I see him I always just give him a quick update on uh, research around psychedelic medicines and uh, and also on Claire W Graves' work I, I've, also, I've also been talking to him sporadically yeah. about Claire yes. Graves' work as well mm. and uh, and he's remembered those things and this yeah. is why he, he invited me for a chat so we had a wonderful talk. Um, it was it was quite a breakthrough. Uh, first of all, because when I walked in and to meet him, he told me that uh, he'd been researching dimethyltryptamine, and I'm pretty sure that's probably the first time the Governor General of Australia has ever said those words. <laughs> Um, so I had to. And geez, you look uh, good in that suit too. I, I, I saw the photograph, smile. by the way. I had a smile. <laughs> anyway, we, we had a good we had a good chat about where things are at, and the really the clincher in the conversation was the fact that the United States Food and Drug Administration yeah. has given breakthrough ser- uh, therapy designation to MDMA and to psilocybin, yeah. and so uh, on the basis of that. Um, and you can understand, I, I've got to say, he's one of the, the most decent people that I've ever met. He's such a, a decent man uh, and uh, intelligent and uh, also very mindful and respectful of the enormous responsibility he carries in this job as Governor-General. And so he you know, he wasn't about to do anything rash, but what he has uh, offered and, and is going to do is to uh, give me written introductions to uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs and uh, so I can go and talk to them about progress in psychedelic medicines which will be an amazing step forward yeah. just to have um, a conversation with them yeah. and perhaps you know work towards support from the government around uh, for research in the future and uh, he also has asked me to go and brief uh, someone at the Department of Defence so um, I've got another trip to Canberra coming up yeah. sometime in the future, uh, and uh, and he, he also asked me about uh, my work at the moment. So we got a chance to chat about uh, the fact that I'm I've been speaking as a futurist, um, talking about the paradigm shift that's underway, and and uh, I was delighted to hear that he, it hadn't escaped his attention that the world is changing uh, in radical ways, and and so it's reassuring to know that someone in his position has got their finger on the pulse. Um, he, before I said anything, you know, he likened some of the things that are happening in the world at the moment to things that happened during the last transition out of the agricultural era yes. into the scientific 16th industry. century or so, some time ago. That's right, yeah. which is which is awesome, and uh, and who knows, you know, maybe... And that's be- a connection with Brendan Nelson, isn't it, who was the former head of the AMA and a former um, uh, Liberal Party, I think he was, he was a leader briefly, wasn't he? I think he might have been too, yeah. yeah. He's, he's uh, I think he's just finishing up as the uh, leader at the Australian War Memorial yeah, that's uh, right. at, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he mentioned that he'd been chatting with Brendan about this, what looks like a paradigm shift going on. So uh, so we had a really good short conversation about that. And uh, who knows, that might go somewhere and as well. And he's, uh, you pointed him also to your website and to your talk uh, last year in Switzerland, which folks you can go to at Steve's website, which is emanate, which is E-M-A-N, the number eight, dot net, emanate.net. And the very front page, you'll see uh, the talk that Steve gave in Switzerland last year at uh, the Elevate live conference in Zurich on uh, quantum consciousness. So, very good. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you'll get time to have a look at that. That's it for us for today. Thank you for joining us here on Future Sense. We'll be back next Monday morning, 9 to 11. Check out the podcast, as we said, futuresense.it or through other platforms such as iTunes. And uh, that's edited versions are up within a couple of days of, uh, of the show each week. That's right. And don't be lonely. Get out there and socialise in real life. Absolutely. See you soon. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud.
The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.